You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Monday, May 9th, and we're talking Brewers baseball with Brewers reporter Adam McKelvey. Adam, thank you as always for the time. And not a bad week for the crew last week, Adam. A 4-3 and three week uh, capped off by Sunday's impressive comeback win in Cincinnati, a game that uh, Milwaukee trailed 4-1 in the middle innings before they rallied to earn a 5-4 victory. Now, you know, it's it's kind of a small thing in the grand scheme of things, but I would think that Craig Council has to appreciate the way his team battled back in that four-game series because they lost the first two games and they really weren't all that competitive, yet they go home with uh, two wins in four games under their belt. Uh, yeah, it's, it is good. It's good to have games like that early. You know, you instill a little bit of belief in a team and that can help you win some come-from-behind games later. And, I mean, just statistically, they're going to have to win if come from behind if they're going to win. I was looking at their starting pitching numbers before we got on here, and they're the worst ERA for starting pitchers by more than a run, the highest OPS for starting pitchers by more than 100 points. They're on a major league record pace for OPS against for the starting pitchers. Uh, they feel like some of that's going to normalize a little bit, like guys like Willie Peralta will be better. Uh, but look, those are some troubling numbers for the starting rotation of this team, uh, and it has meant a ton of early deficits. I think it's driven down the offensive numbers a little bit because it's just difficult to hit when you're playing from behind every day. I think this offense might be a little better even than the numbers say so far. It's something they need to work out. We talked to Derek Johnson uh, in Cincinnati, got a chance to chat with him. He, you know, He's feeling frustrated just like everybody else. He's feeling responsible. A first-year pitching coach, this is a very difficult way to begin uh, your career. Uh, but he said they're going to trust that process continue to do the work and uh at some point he has faith hope choose your word uh, that this thing is going to start to turn around a little bit i mean it, that's all you really can have because you rattled off the numbers you know the team era is bad the ops against is bad they're giving up giving up a ton of extra base hits so it's bad across the board and you, you have to have hope that as you said things are going to normalize a little bit they're not going to turn into the you know the mid-70s orioles but at some point you would think that Things have to get a little bit better, and it's it's kind of frustrating, Adam, I think, you know, when you consider if they just had an average, a major league average pitching staff or even something slightly below average, I think this could be a team a couple games over 500 because I think how bad the pitching has been has overshadowed that this is kind of a sneaky good offense. Do you agree? Yeah, I don't know if I would go so far as an over 500 team, but I, I do – I heard this from a club person that they thought – they felt like the offense was going to be – okay, maybe better than people thought, and that the pitching would have to get – they'd have to have things break right to kind of get to league average. Um, I might have thought about it the other way going into the season. I, I kind of thought their pitching looked okay, and I liked the depth that they had. They had some – you know, Zach Davies, for example, is a guy who had a really good September last year as the number six. Jorge Lopez, their top prospect, as their number seven. I kind of I kind of liked the depth they had, and then I, I didn't know offensively I thought they'd struggle. I have heard subsequently that inside the front office they kind of saw it the other way around, and it looks like they were a lot more right than I was, which is a huge surprise, I'm sure, to you oh, and everybody sure. listening. But, you know, they have, uh, they have just struggled big time uh, in the pitching department. Taylor Youngman already sent out. Davies is up. He has not pitched well. Jorge Lopez has not been called up. He's in AAA and pitching extremely poorly getting hit hard, and it's not just a Colorado altitude thing. Uh, they say he's 
pitching poorly at other spots. He's walking guys. So they've got a real they've got a real problem on their hands because they've made some moves. It hasn't helped. And they don't have a lot of players screaming call up to come in and, and help this thing. The one guy whose name is starting to come up a little more is Josh Hader. He's their number two pitching prospect. He's at double A. His pitch counts have been really high, partly because he's striking everybody out. And he hasn't pitched deep into games, but he has like a sub one ERA. He has a ridiculous ERA. He's pitching well, and I wonder whether, you know, you don't want to react to what's going on at the big league level when you're in this long-term rebuilding situation. But given that Hader had a little double-A time last year, I wonder if he's a mid-season promotion guy to triple-A. And once you're at triple-A, then you're kind of on the cusp. And I'm curious whether they at some point push him and see what he can do at the big league level. That's just my own thinking happening as you look to, you know, what are the solutions to getting this thing straightened out? And, and just to get back to the original, what we were talking about, the main solution is just the guys they've got have got to pitch better. I mean, really Peralta is better than the performance that he's given them so far. I think Zach Davies has been better than what he's giving them so far. Uh, you know, Jimmy Nelson is the only guy who's performed at a high level out of that starting rotation. And somebody else is going to have to step up of the, the players that are in that rotation now, if they're going to stop this bleeding a little bit. Yeah, I agree. And with regards to Hater, as you said, it's, it's a tough, a tough position for the team because you've got a guy who is still in his you know, infancy as a development in a, you know, as a professional athlete, a professional pitcher, you don't want to put too much on his plate too soon at too young of an age, but it, you know, at some point, if this continues, if the pitching starts to tre- or continues to trend the way it is, maybe your hands are tied and to say, you know what, we got to give this kid a shot, see what he can do. But hopefully uh, that's still a few months away as he continues to dominate hitters at the double uh, A level. We'll see what happens there with uh, one of their top prospects, Josh Hader. But uh, one guy that uh, has come up in Youngman's absence, uh, Junior Guerra. Now the numbers, you know, not great. I mean, they don't leap off the page, but I believe uh, his two starts uh, so far, six innings apiece and four runs. Now, again, they're not outstanding numbers, but they look really Kofaxian, if you will, considering what everybody else around him has done. And at least for the time being, I think Gary's given this rotation some stability, and he's, in that regard, kind of been a godsend for this for this pitching staff right now. Yeah, there's been some promise there. I mean, unfortunately, he's 31 years old. I don't know that you look at him as a guy that you're, you know, get excited about to build around. But he's the six innings is big in each of his starts. That does matter as a uh, to a team that has piled up the relief innings. Uh, it's 96 miles an hour on the fastball stands out as a good number. You know, he's got really good stuff, and the way he pitched. Take Sunday uh, in Cincinnati. <clears throat> the Brewers went down again, four to one. And uh, Garrett was able to give him two uh, shutout innings at the end of his outing that allowed the team to start a comeback. They scored a run in four straight innings, and they were able to win a game. Jonathan Lucroy hit a homer, and they won a big finale in Cincinnati. You know, it was just one of those kind of feel-good games. The vibe in the clubhouse was very positive. And I I think Junior Garrett, you know, he doesn't show up uh, in the decision, and the outing on paper doesn't look that great. But it was one of the, it was a big outing. It was a good start for this team. That was uh, that that you know it came up right away out of Craig Council's mouth after that game, so it stood out to him as well. So I think there is uh, there there's some promise there. Uh, he's been he's been okay, 
and you wonder whether he gets into this a little bit more because, you know, he was in relief last year, came up with the White Sox in relief. You know, he's kind of getting his starting feet under him a little bit back in affiliated baseball, certainly in the big leagues. So, you know, two starts in, I think there's, there's something to work with there, and they're intrigued to see where it goes from here. And, Adam, on the uh, offensive end of things, uh, Saturday night was uh, definitely the Aaron Hill show, to say the very least. Uh, Single-game franchise records in that one, uh, three home runs and seven RBIs. And, you know, this obviously has to feel good for a guy that I think to this point had not really endeared himself to his brand-new fan base in Milwaukee. They're wondering, why is this guy not only here, but why is he starting because of where this team is in the rebuilding process? But he reminded everybody last night that there's still a lot of thunder left in that bat after the three-homer, seven-RBI performance. Well, exactly. And it gave us a great opportunity to sort of ask the question you referenced to Craig Council is, why is a 34-year-old taking up one of your starting infield spots on a team that is so headlong into rebuilding? And it, it led to a really interesting conversation with Craig Council. Uh, who basically made the argument that you can't just throw eight or nine 23-year-olds out there and say, let's just go with the... It's easy for the fans to sit back and say, go with the young guys. Well, that doesn't work in practice in Major League Baseball because, number one, you'll struggle and lose games. But number two, it can hurt the development of the good 23-year-olds that you want to build around for the future if they don't have a couple of Aaron Hills in the mix in the clubhouse uh, on defense, which is another area he has been a big contributor. Uh, so it was, it was a really interesting conversation with a guy, Craig Council, who's been a part of a whole host of different types of teams. He's done the rebuilding thing. He's obviously been part of the veteran teams like the Diamondbacks, you know, one who won the World Series, a great veteran team, and at every type of club in the middle. And he really was forceful in his argument that um, just – Throwing a bunch of young guys out there is not the way to develop. It is not the way to rebuild. and It's not the way to make these younger players better. So Aaron Hill has had an, an impact on this team. It has not showed up in the box scores, obviously. It has not showed up in the batting average. He gave a little flash uh, on Saturday night, though, that he can still impact the game. He's still got a little pop, and it's been building for him for a while. Um, he had a, a hitting streak going into that game. And he also had a lot of loud outs. Now, those are things that don't show up uh, when you scan the box scores in the morning, but they were things that sort of had stood out to Craig Council and the reason that he had stayed with Aaron Hill for this many at-bats and this many games with the batting average, the slugging, where it had been before Saturday night. So it was a good little payout, I think, for a, a player and manager alike. And they're going to they're move, obviously moving forward with him. I mean, he's going to play and continue to get significant at-bats for the team. If he can have a couple more nights like Saturday, I wonder if he is a guy who another club would come looking for if they're looking to add an infielder at the trade deadline. I, I don't. He's going to have a, a, a lot more hits, I think, than a three-homer night in order to make that happen. But it certainly is a possibility, and, and I know it would be something you know, for the Brewers to be able to flip him for something would be a big positive. Yeah, it could uh, not only be Jonathan Lucroy that teams are interested in come the trade deadline, but Aaron Hill, too, if he continues to hit the way he is, as you said. And I love the fact that Craig Council said, you know what, for as much as fans know or think they know, it's, you know, this ain't fantasy baseball. This is the real deal, and you got to have some yep. veteran presence out there. And uh, that's certainly big, and I love the fact that he said that to justify Aaron Hill's uh, spot in this lineup and on this team. And uh, well said by Craig Council, to uh, say the very least. Uh, that's a good place to end this one. Adam, we'll do it again next week for sure. Our thanks to Brewers reporter Adam McCalvey for his time 
on this Monday. In the meantime, Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Milwaukee Brewers. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free AtBat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.